From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Femto for Challenging Cataracts and Opportunities for Cataract Surgery in China. In Asia, we have to deal with very, very dense cataracts, the very brunescent, very thick lenses, especially those with shallow anterior chambers, and they all come as a package. First this. 2017 marks the launch of a new meeting, the iWorld Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. The beauty of Deer Valley is astounding. Gorgeous mountains, crisp air, wonderful food, and Deer Valley is justifiably famous for its fabulous skiing. And all of this is just the backdrop to the most convivial and practical meeting of the year. The iWorld Surgical Summit focuses on advances and techniques that you can apply to your practice immediately. Look for links to next year's Surgical Summit at surgicalsummit.iworld.org. And did I mention the skiing? I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Hangzhou, China. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we hear from Soon Peik Chi on Femtosecond for Challenging Cataracts and from Ming Guang He on challenges and opportunities for cataract surgery in China. I'm here with Sun Peik Chi. Sun Peik, you were wonderful to the Lind lecture, uh, well deserved, um, on this. So, there are advantages to femtosecond laser cataract surgery. Some more in some spheres, some less in others, but I think that no one would dispute that the femtosecond laser is an important tool for the management of complex cases. Now, this is what you spoke about. Let me get you to sort of lay this topic out for me, and then I have some more specific questions that I want to ask. Okay, so I showed some videos on the complex cases that I have been managing with the femtosecond laser, where I find it particularly helpful. Especially when in Asia we have to deal with very, very dense cataracts, the very brunescent, very thick lenses, especially those with shallow anterior chambers. And they all come as a package, even with um, loose zonules, low endothelial cell count. And I find this extremely helpful because the laser, in addition to doing the capsulotomy, is able to segment the nucleus into multiple small pieces that enable me to use less fecal ultrasound energy. And this is actually helping to save the cornea endothelium for me. Even understanding that the FACO is going to make certain elements of this case easier, there's going to be less initial stress on the uh, zonules, you're pretty much guaranteed a very nice capsulotomy. Even so, these must be challenging cases. Yes, they are extremely challenging. So sometimes we would have to, in addition, stain the capsule to ensure that it's a complete capsulotomy because these may also be intumescent at times. Right. And this definitely helps to cut the capsule without run, uh, run out of the anterior capsule, as in getting the Argentinian flag sign. And uh, sometimes we have to, in addition, use capsular bag hooks to support this so that we can actually just focus on dividing that nucleus right down to the posterior plate. And because the femtosecond laser actually really cuts it very, very well, uh, it's just a little plate that's still adherent posteriorly and in the periphery. And all we do is use our instruments to separate 
along these cracks that the femtosecond laser has actually segmented along and then we pick up the pieces and then just use ultrasound energy to gently fake away these pieces. What if for, for the sorts of cases that you mentioned now, uh, you know, shallow chambers, very dense lenses, mm -hmm. is there a particular segmentation pattern that you recommend? Okay, so it really depends on which platform you are using for that day. Sure. Um, I generally like to choose 16 segments. Um, I find that with 16 segments, I can actually put my chopper down any of these cracks without actually looking for them because sometimes it's not easy to see when you have a very dense cataract and you'll find one of these cracks along the plane and you just separate them. I also do use uh, a french fry kind of pattern, a grid pattern. Uh, the only fear with this pattern is that whilst it does actually minimize your ultrasound energy, the problem is that you may actually leave chips behind because you have fragmented them to really small pieces and also sometimes these chips may fly uh, in the anterior chamber and damage your cornea endothelium and you definitely need to have a very good dispersive viscoelastic to protect your cornea. So you uh, showed some really, really interesting videos. Um, what were some of the other cases that you showed that we can talk about? Uh, um, I also showed on how we can use this to uh, handle more safely the posterior polar cataract and I demonstrated my technique using uh, Femto with a soft kind of posterior polar cataract where basically we use the ultrasound to, to fragment the nucleus into multiple segments and then uh, manually with my second instrument pick these segments uh, to feed my phaco tip without having to rotate the nucleus nor to do any kind of uh, hydro delamination. So there is no fluid going in. I just use viscoelastic to viscodissect in the subincisional area so that the epinucleus can easily be removed at the end. The wonderful thing about Femto is that the bubbles actually help us because they actually form a layer uh, that delineate the posterior extent of the segmentation. And so this leaves you a, a cortex there that protects the uh, posterior pole or pasty there so that you don't have a breakthrough when you're doing your Femto removal. So that actually protects your posterior capsule and allows you to safely remove the nuclear fragments manually, no rotation, and then at the end, then you reduce your parameters and then take off the epinucleus, which is now really quite thin because when you do a hydrodissection, sometimes you actually have too thick a plate and the removal of the epinucleus can be very, very difficult, more difficult than removing the nucleus itself. So this really gives me a very controlled removal of the nucleus followed by the epinucleus, which is thin and easy. So you, you alluded to this before, that the femtosecond may be, may be more beneficial than, uh, than standard capsulorexis for cases like white cataracts where we're concerned about Argentinian flag sign. Yes. Still, even with the femtosecond, these can be, can be difficult cases. Yes. Uh, I'm curious whether for these sorts of cases, whether you change your approach with regard to the femto, do you change your gates, let's say, for the capsulotomy for cases in which you think that there's going to be this big, you know, milky cortex coming out? Okay. So for the swollen lenses, I think it's important, first of all, to prepare the eye. So if the lens is swollen, I would routinely run intravenous mannitol prior to doing the femtosecond treatment to shrink the nucleus, shrink the vitreous, and when we do docking, you want to ensure that you have a level dock so that the femtosecond laser hits and treats the anterior capsule simultaneously so that you do not risk a rip out when the treatment is only to one 
aspect of the capsule. Now, the moment you have a very, very uh, swollen lens that decompresses with the femtosecond hitting and cutting the capsule, what happens is the rapid egress of this milky fluid firstly blocks the rest of the capsule and prevents treatment adequately. Secondly, because of the rapid decompression, the anterior capsule drops at this level and because these lasers cut from posteriorly forwards, actually it would automatically miss treating the rest of the capsule. Right. So this actually is a double-edged sword. If you have a lens that's very, very uh, swollen, sometimes you may have an incomplete capsulotomy and therefore it is advised uh, that you know, we do use a, a dye stain when we uh, bring the patient to the operating theatre to ensure that our capsulotomy is complete. Yeah, so this, this is great, great stuff. It's a wonderful lecture. Um, clearly, we, 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 we have a, a very, very valuable tool for these complicated cases. Student Pick, I want to thank you very much for, for bringing this interesting topic to us and for laying it out so very clearly, and as always, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you. I'm here with Ming He. Ming, ni hao ma. Ming, you gave a wonderful talk, interesting subject, um, which is uh, some of the the opportunities and challenges for for cataract surgeons in in mm. China, mm. Um, and, and the the rates of cataract surgery. Can I get you to spell this out for 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 me so I can understand it a little bit better? So today, uh, what I really talk about is um, we try to introduce a concept we call cataract surgical rate, which really means in one year. Per mil one million population, how many cataract surgery is supposed to do? Yeah, and, and, and tell me, how, how, how many should be done? Yeah, uh, and cataract surgical rate is pretty much a, a KPI, key performance index for eye care delivery, or to assess the efficiency and delivery of the uh, eye care provider. So uh, in my talk, I kind of try to review what are the existing cataract surgical rate in China, but then we also try to estimate what should be what what we should target uh, for cataract surgical rate. So we estimate the targeted CSR in two perspectives. One is uh, in the perspective of uh, uh, like need assessment, like for, for need, like in, in order to take care of the instant cataract blindness cases. And secondly, we also try to estimate what should be the pop, uh, uh, CSR. That really matching, they really match the economic development, like uh, GDP per capita. And, and and what are your findings? What are your results of of, of the study? So uh, we we kind of estimate that we uh, the current uh, uh, CSR in China is about two thousand uh, per million per year, and we estimate uh, uh, in order to take care of the cataract instant cataract blind people, we need to increase our cataract surgical rate to eight thousand per million per year. And then in order to make our CSR being like consistent with the economic development in China, we need to do at least 3,000. So it's a big heap. It all increased from 2,000 to 3,000 or even to even 8,000. 8, and what are the uh, challenges to achieving the, these these goals? Is it that um, there are, are particular populations within China geographically mm. uh, that, are, that, are, that are underserved? Is it a question of the ophthalmologist density, the ophthalmologist per thousand patients, or are the limitations uh, in terms of the centers where cataract surgeries are uh, done and simply the, the, the number that is possible to perform within the existing infrastructure? I, I think this is a very complex issue, uh, but the good news is uh, currently uh, China has been increasing the Medicare coverage. 
So the Medicare already cover 89 or even 80, 95 or even 98 percent of the of the population of the people in China. So the Medicare uh, really improved the affordability of the patient. But now the challenge is uh, number one is the number of capable surgeons. So most of the capable surgeons, they all live in major cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou. And, uh, and secondly, is the efficiency of the, of the uh, eye care delivery. So the hospital, some of, in some of the hospitals, the efficiency is very low. They open the door, they wait for the patient to come. And then, but those poor patients or the patient living in remote area, they will never show up in your clinic automatically. You, you really need to bring them in. So in China, the situation is very different with like in Australia and USA. And, and what are some of the uh, changes that that you see um, coming on to address some of these 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 challenges? Are, are are there plans, for example, to set up satellite screening air areas to help feed patients into uh, more central places where surgery can be done? I I would think private uh, hospital, private clinic is the way to go. Just like in Australia and US, uh, the doctors should be should, should be allowed to open their own private clinic. So um, when this policy become available, I think the doctor or the surgeon, they will automatically look for area where they can really, uh, I mean, where the, the service uh, provision is needed. And then they will open the private, I mean, it's, it's like pretty much like a marking children uh, 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 things. I mean, that will, that will happen. I mean, when the, uh, the surgeon will open clinic in rural area, as long as the population density is good enough and the need is there. It, it, it's, it's exciting, I'm sure, for uh, you to uh, be involved in a market that has not matured yet, you know, where, where the, there's this huge, huge room for uh, uh, growth. Mm. Uh, this is really, really neat stuff. Yeah. An exciting time. Okay. Um, uh, Ming, I want to thank you very much. It was a wonderful talk. Uh, and of course, for being so very, very generous uh, with your time with us today. Uh, thank you very much, Josh. Soon Pik Chi is Associate Professor at the Singapore National Eye Center in Singapore. Ming Guang He is Professor of Ophthalmic Epidemiology at the University of Melbourne and Center for Eye Research Australia and Director of the WHO Collaborating Center for Prevention of Blindness Australia in Melbourne, Australia. Ask questions of Dr. Chi, Dr. He or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.